Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friends, I'm so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that during our conversation today, there is some discussion that is best listened to away from children's ears. I so appreciate my guests who are transparent and real and who are giving us hope on the other side as well. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help individuals find their own healing. Thanks, friends. And now to my interview. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I am so thrilled to have my guest, Pam Farrell, joining me. Pam has written and co-written numerous books. In fact, I believe it's 40 books that she's written, including her bestseller, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti, which is in my bookshelf right now. I know there is so much we're going to glean from her today about relationships, having healthy relationships, and embracing the differences between men and women. Welcome to the podcast, Pam. Oh, it's so nice to be with a sweet friend. Oh. I, got my, I got my coffee ready. Do you have yours ready? I've, I've got my water and I'm all set. And I hope all of our listeners have got their, their coffee, their tea, their water, their favorite drink, and they're ready to listen. I love that, Pam. So a couple of fun facts I wanted to share. You grew up on a sheep farm? Yeah, Suffolk Sheep Farm in Southeast Idaho. So I'm a country girl at heart living in the city now, but my heart is always in the country. Oh, I love sheep. There's a type of sheep that I call the pretty sheep, and you may know what the pretty sheep are. And we would drive when we lived in Washington. We're now in Kentucky. We would drive from Washington to California and go through Oregon. There would be areas I'm like, oh, there's the pretty sheep, which to me are the ones with the darker face faces and then the lighter bodies. And yes, so I love sheep. That's mine. They're Suffolk sheep and I am a true bow peep. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And you broke a board while doing, um, what was it? Taekwondo. I have a really shy son. My youngest son was super shy. And so we wanted to help him uh, build courage. So there was a Christian Taekwondo teacher and So I took it with him because he was that shy, you know, (laughs) mom do it too. And so got a yellow belt. And to get that, I broke a board with my foot. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm safe now. I'm just going to put up that like board with a verse about being courageous. It's on my wall as a reminder. I can do all things through Christ. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And knowing me, I would probably break my foot instead of the board. So I don't know if I do that. (laughs) It is. It is mind over matter. And it's all about that. Okay. So this is kind of cool. Spiritual dimension. It's about the noise you make. Well, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say God's name. Yahweh. It works better. (sighs) 
Oh, I love that. I love that. So I know we've talked a lot about your life and everything, but Pam, tell us just a little bit about yourself, your ministry, the work you do, and your family. Right. Our ministry is love wise. And we like to say we park ourselves on the corner of God's love and God's wisdom. So you find us on the web at love-wise.com. And the verse that summarizes, you know, our goal is Proverbs 19.8, the one who gets wisdom loves life. And so we really try to help people with all their vital relationships because life is all about relationships. And so of their relationship with God, marriage relationships, or if they're dating, those relationships, parenting, grandparenting relationships, you know, with friends, personal growth areas. So I speak to women, Bill speaks to men, and then we speak together on marriage and family. And I would say uh, primarily the last, since our kids have all launched, it's probably 70% that we do ministry together on marriage, family, parenting, grandparenting, that part of Love Wise. I do have a new set of Bible studies called Discovering Joy in Philippians, Discovering Hope in the Psalms, Discovering Jesus in the Old Testament. They're creative Bible studies, and those are for the girls. For example, I have a Discovering Joy uh, in Philippians Bible study virtual starting November 3rd the holiday edition. Because I'm like all about, let's celebrate. It's so depressing right now. We got to cultivate our joy. Um, so Absolutely. I do, yes. <laughs> I have things for women. And then we have a lot for marriages and families. Oh, I love that. I love everything that you just said, where you guys got your name from of your ministry. And I love the series that you're doing, especially that you're breaking out. Like I said, I love that about the discovering joy, because that's something that is actually pretty strong on my heart is about giving people hope and joy and renewing that spirit and that heart of thanksgiving that I feel like there's such a heaviness in our nation and that this Thanksgiving more than ever, we need to press out of focusing on our circumstances and situations and focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. And he is our hope. And that is where our joy comes from. And so you are speaking my words right to me. Yeah, we got the same heart. Kindred hearts. Yes. Definitely yes. kindred hearts. We got to cultivate that attitude of gratitude. It yes. is when we are grateful that produces joy. It like springs forth. The more grateful we are to God, the more hope we have because yeah. we see God's in charge. He's the creator. If he created everything, he can create opportunity. He can create hope. He can create joy. He can create breakthrough. He can create loving relationships. And so it all goes back to our creator. Amen. Amen. Yes. So cultivating that joy, that thankfulness, that gratitude, definitely. I think we could just talk about that for, for an hour or two. Um, but Pam, part of our, as part of our healthy relationships series that we're doing here on the Fully Restored podcast, could you share with us briefly your own Fully Restored story? Sure. I am firstborn daughter of an alcoholic dad with severe rage issues. I always thought that our family would make the headlines, but not for a good reason. More like man shoots family than shoots himself. A lot of domestic violence in the home that I grew up in. 
But my mom's best friend, Kathy, was the secretary of a little teeny tiny church in a little teeny tiny town in Oregon. Sweet Kathy, she saw the chaos that my mom was living in and she invited my mom to come to church. And there at church, my mom brought us, um, she was 27, I was seven. My siblings were younger than me. And we walked into church and I met such loving people. I'm like, oh, this is what love looks like. I want to know the author of love. Okay, you're talking all about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And so the pastor, all the kids, I mean, I want to know Jesus and those graham crackers with frosting in the middle were not too bad either. So, <laughs> yeah. so we went, every time the church opened, I wanted to be there because it was such a welcome relief from the craziness of my home. And uh, like, there was no 911 back then, but the chief of police lived two blocks down and he was always at our house trying to calm things down. So it, it was kind of crazy, but I would walk myself to church and skip and sing all of the wonderful Jesus songs. You know, truly Jesus was making a difference in my life, even learning about him. But one day the pastor said, if you want a place on quiz team, you have to memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I'm like, quiz team? I mean, in a town of 100 people, that's kind of like American Idol. I wanted a place on quiz team. It was like the cool thing. And so I sat down and I began to memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I came across that verse that says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. And I were praying, Jesus, does this mean if you come into my life, you would be my best friend, my savior, my Lord? And just then my dad had been drinking like all day, all night. He was in a rage. My sweet mom trying to talk him down. It was super loud, super scary. I was worried about my siblings. So I ran and got them and brought them in my room. And I shut the door and I pushed the dresser, the chest of drawers in front of the door so dad couldn't get in and hurt us. We're talking, I was eight doing all this. And I put them in my bed and I pulled up the covers and I shut off the light. And there glowing in the dark was this little cross that I had won for memorizing Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd Psalms. And on that little cross, it read, Jesus lives. And I remember praying, Jesus the pastor's been telling me that you're stronger than anything, more powerful than anything, more powerful than death itself. And if you're all those things, and I believe that you are, please come into my life to be my best friend, my savior, and my Lord. And P.S. God, if you could work it out, I'd really like to marry a pastor one day. Amen. And God answered all those cries of that little girl's heart. And I began to grow in my relationship with God, partly because Kathy's daughter, Kelly, she said, so did you have your quiet time? I'm like, what's that? And she's like, every day we're supposed to read God's love letter. It's called the Bible. That's how God talks to us. And then we talk to God through prayer just like you would talk to me, your best friend. You can talk to God too, Pam. And so I started doing that every day, spending time in God's word. I started with the Psalms and then I went to um, like the familiar gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and I be just began to grow in my relationship with God. And my circumstances did not change. Things got worse, but God was changing me and growing me from the inside out. Well, fast forward, my family moved from that farm down to California. 
I became a cheerleader. I all of a sudden thought I was like too cool for God. So I quit doing those daily quiet times. I would kind of check in with God and I would go to church on Sunday, kind of sit in the back row, but no big spiritual movement early in my high school years until one night, my dad, he had been arguing with my mom all day. My sister and my brother and I were like so sick of it. I said, why don't we just get in my little car and just drive someplace? We didn't know where we were going to go. So we just drove into the middle of a cornfield and we sat and we just prayed for my parents. And then we came back and, and they were still arguing about it was well, well past midnight. So my mom's like, just go to bed. I'll deal with it. So we went to bed. But a few hours later, about three in the morning, we heard my mom screaming for help help me, help me, someone please help me. And we thought, oh no, dad's anger's escalated. We need to rescue mom, running through a pitch black house. We can't find them anywhere. We just hear my mom screaming. Finally, my brother, a football player, burst through the garage. And there was my dad trying to hang himself, commit suicide uh, by hanging himself on a rafter in the garage. My brother grabbed my dad down. We pulled my dad inside. We put my dad on the sofa and I knelt on my dad's chest. I took the noose off my dad's neck and I began to pray. I'm like, remember, remember like that with David Kidd and he played like the harp for that crazy king. I think that will help. We need to sing. And so we sang every Jesus song that we had ever known growing up. And then I'm like, remember, remember dad said he used to go to those revival meetings when he was a kid, mostly make fun of pastors, but he did say he liked that song, Amazing Grace. So we sang Amazing Grace for hours until my dad finally passed out as the sun rose the next morning. And everybody just went to bed, but I went to diving practice, hoping to find peace and solace in the water. And I remember driving home, hope upon hope that I would see a family gathered and they would say, we can't live like this anymore. But when I walked in, everybody acted like nothing happened, but something happened to me that day. God got my attention. He's like, Pam, you've been treating me like I'm like your earthly father, that I'm distant and demanding but i'm not like that dust off that bible find out who i am girl and as i did i came across that verse and we cry out to god abba father and i was reminded that i had a daddy god in heaven that could give me wisdom to deal with my daddy here on earth and every other relationship and so I recommitted my life to Christ as a college freshman, and it was the best decision I have ever made. Wow. What a story that you have lived. What a life that you have lived just in your young years and just the courage that even at um, seven years old, at eight years old that you had. And I'm thinking about those listeners right now that are identifying with unhealthy families, like either where they grew up or what they're in right now. And I can see why marriage relationships are important to you. I can see why that is valuable to you because of what you've experienced growing up. And so somewhere in there, you met your husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shortly after that, actually, after I recommitted my life to Christ, I, it's like God said, um, girl, you kind of have a loser magnet. Uh, you're attracted to everybody unhealthy. So I want you to not date for a year. I want you to just be in the word. I want you to look at men that are godly in the word. Daniel, Joseph, you know, I want you to say Boaz, the disciples. And how about Jesus? Yeah, let's focus on Jesus. And so I want you to be able to recognize a healthy male. 
So at the end of that year is when I went to a leadership conference with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew. And there at that conference, I met a handsome guy. Okay, you have to know this is like the funniest story. So when I was a little girl growing up, um, well, teenage years, I took Teen Magazine. And there's this ad on the back of Teen Magazine that had this handsome beach boy, super dark tan, curly hair, beads of water in the hair, big old broad <laughs> smile. Okay, so I go to this conference. And this guy walks up and says, so what did God teach you today? I'm like, you look just like that ad on the back of Teen Magazine. And you're asking me about God. So you're gorgeous, you're godly, and you don't play games. I am all in. This is great. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that afternoon, I was a diver. So we all went to the swimming pool and I was doing dives, kind of showing off a bit. But he was in the pool and he shook his head and he looked just like that guy on the ad. And I'm like, Lord, this just seems amazing to me that one guy could be so good, so godly, so gorgeous. And then as he shared his story, he comes from a home that is equally ridiculous. His parents have stayed married, but it is just because of Bill's dad's determination. They're actually going to celebrate their 60th. But Bill's mom is agoraphobic. She's a hoarder. She's angry, angry a lot. And she has been Bill's whole life. So it's kind of like the crazy train. We understood each other's pain and we understood that God could create a better path for us together. That cord of three strands that's talked about in Ecclesiastic, Bill, me, and God woven together, we could create a new way of doing marriage and family. And that's really the heart of LoveWise is that every person has the opportunity to create a new, healthier path for loving relationship. And I, I love this concept that you have because I'm thinking about often when we are in churches or we're in conferences or something about marriages, about relationships, it feels like, oh, they have that perfect marriage. I can't have that perfect Christian marriage. We always say that perfect. And you guys are coming from two dysfunctional paths. <laughs> yeah. But restored by God. He took you, restored you and strengthened you and did beautiful and amazing things in your life. And now he's saying, okay, so go out and minister. And that's the model that we need because you can relate to those people that are quiet, that don't ever say anything because they're thinking, yeah, um, I, I don't have that kind of a marriage. And they feel out of sorts in the church at times because they, they think, well, we're not good Christians or we're not having that kind of relationship. So I love this, that you two came from that. And now you're saying, no, it's possible regardless. Because the other side of that is people have that victim thinking and feel like this is just who I am. This is how I was raised. This is what we are. There's no way of changing it. And you also give that hope of, yes, there can be change. Look what we came from and look what we have now. So I just, I, I love that. So could you tell us what does it mean that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti? 
Right. That has been our bestseller. And you just want to tie it together with 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because God first loved us. And that is where the power to love can come from. It's not going to come from yourselves. Like uh, that dysfunction, apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I would have married somebody yeah. just as bad as my dad. Yeah. But God grabbed me by the nap of the neck and put me in the word. And he had me meet Bill because I was on the path to leadership. And that's what you just want, one step in front of the other. And so that's really the story of men are like waffles, like spaghetti. So we were in youth ministry and we served at a mega church for four years. And Bill was asked to be in the pulpit more and more. And they're like, oh, you should have your own church. You're a great communicator. And so at age 28, he applied to be a lead pastor and God sent us down to San Diego. 28 years old. We, he's a lead pastor and I'm director of women's ministry. And we, we thought, okay, we need to grow this church. What's the best way? What do we have to offer? Well, we're both athletes. Bill was a football player, starting quarterback. I was a perpetual cheerleader. You know? So um, we're like, okay, I'll be team mom for everything. And you be the coach for everything. And he ended up running the basketball league for eight years. So one day he's in the gym and a guy came up to him and said, um, Pam and Bill, you guys have like a really good marriage and our marriage is really struggling. Can I bring my wife in? And Bill's like, sure. And so he, they came in and Bill said, how can I help you? And the guy turned to his wife and said, go ahead. And she just started talking from subject to subject to subject to subject. And the guy looked at Bill with like deer in the headlights kind of look, what do I do here? She does this all the time. And Bill's like, actually, it's really normal. Think about her life. Like a plate of spaghetti and she's traveling around that plate making emotional connections to you she wants to connect her life to you that's a compliment and the guy's like well what do i do with it and he's like here's how you active listen he taught the guy some listening skills and so the woman continued as her husband listened to her maybe for the first time without interrupting she talked for 55 straight minutes and then she sat back and she's like Oh, if I'm like spaghetti, like that was so great. Thank you for like listening to me, honey. Okay. So if I'm like spaghetti and everything is connected to everything else, um, what's my husband like then? And Bill's like, um, that'll be next week. Cause he didn't have a clue. So he's trying to, he's just started praying. Okay, God, I know like the research, you know, biblically Genesis 1 27, God made us male and female. He created us as before the fall. And so it was on purpose that there's these differences. How do we make those differences work for people in all their relationships? So that was kind of his background prayer. And then we all, we know the the scientific research, you know, XX, XY goes down to our DNA, estrogen, testosterone. It does impact us. Women integrate. They connect everything to everything else. That's how their brain works. There's more connections in their two hemispheres of their brain. A men compartmentalize because there's less connections. They tend to use one side of their brain or the other to problem solve. So they're problem solvers by nature. So that means they compartmentalize. I need a food with compartments. And my boys were making pop-up toaster waffles 
okay, no judging here, girls. I'm not, I'm not a big cook. And so they, this waffle popped up and Bill's like, oh, compartments. So he w- took that waffle back to that counseling and session with them. And he said, okay, men are like waffles. They think of one thing and one thing only at a time. See, there's compartments and guys put one thing in each one of these boxes. And so they think of one thing and one thing only at a time. So they're problem solvers by nature. They like to go into a box, figure out what the problem is, assign the solution, and then move on. And if they get into a box and they see there's a problem, but they don't know the answer, they just, yeah, move on. Why stay there if you don't know the answer? And then he explained that some of the men's boxes are absolutely positively blank. There are no thoughts. There are no words. There's like nothing going on. And they guys park in these boxes and we women usually uh, can pick it up. It's like radar. And so we ask them, so what you thinking? And they say nothing. And we're like, what? You can't be thinking nothing. You got to be thinking something. No, ladies, actually, they are thinking nothing. And there is a study actually that came out from the University of Irvine recently that backs up that that it documents that. So yes, men compartmentalize. They think of one thing only at a time. Men are like waffles and like spaghetti. And so the Bible tells us to accept one another in love. And that brings the praise of God into your house. And so instead of trying to change our husbands, it's better if we appreciate and value the way God wired men and women and then seek to cooperate in men are like waffles like spaghetti we talk about 10 different areas of differences and then how to find agreement understanding appreciation in those different areas and in the back of the book there's date night so you can go out on a date and you can have coffee and conversation and move your marriage forward into a stronger healthier place Plus, there's a lot of humor. When you laugh together, you learn together, and you release happy endorphins. And the Bible tells us that a joyful heart is good medicine. So right now, that's one of the things I would really encourage couples to do is just to cultivate laughter and learning together and move your marriage forward during this time. Like Bill and I take a prayer walk every night at sunset. We, on the way out, we listen to a Christian comedian or a clean comedian, and we just laugh. And on the way back, we pray together, and our hearts are bonded as we pray together on the way back. That's great. Um, You made me think of, actually, a couple of things. I was thinking women want to be the syrup on the... on the waffle that they want their husband to listen and absorb everything they're saying. And as a counselor, I'm often talking with women about you are trying to process through things with your husband when maybe God did not create your husband to be your processor, because that's what we do. And then we get frustrated. You don't listen to me. And and we just have to take a step back and say, okay, am I trying to have them my process person, which maybe that's not who they're meant to be. So then we put expectations on one another that are unrealistic expectations. And so good. I'm so glad you're a counselor in my wow. Did you do is to wow your husband? But I encourage that same thing to women, like talk to God first and then talk to your husband. A lot of problems will get solved if we would just talk to God first. Yeah. And the other thing is, actually, it was a comedian I heard years ago. He was talking about relationships and he says, you need to find an inside joke that helps break the tension. And there's a video my husband and I watch and have watched 
literally hundreds, probably thousands of times, and we share it with everybody. And it's been around for a, a few years, and it's a little girl, and she's trying to buckle herself in her car seat, and she's got this bulky jacket on. And the video is called Worry About Yourself. And she's probably like three and a half, four years old. So that is our joke to one another, worry about yourself. And we instantly will start laughing. But if people are around us, we're like, you got to watch the video to understand we're not being rude to one another. It's just our icebreaker. It, it breaks tension and it helps us move forward and not get stuck. That, and we have one of those, in men are like waffles, like spaghetti, we call it a code word. Yeah. And you need one of those to regroup if you're like starting to escalate in your conversation or yeah. it turns into a crazy making. You're like, okay, we need a way to regroup. And so ours is, Bill likes to quote his favorite theologian, and that's Rocky Balboa. And, <laughs> you know, Ro Polly comes in and says to Rocky, what you doing with my sister? And Rocky says, she got gaps, I got gaps, we fill each other's gaps. Well, one of the jokes in the Rocky movie, like we love this, we were newlyweds. One of the jokes in the Rocky movie is, you know what you get when you tap a turtle on the back? Shell shock, get it? Shell shock. And so when I was a newlywed and I would be like all drama queen, uh, Bill would use that joke. You know what you get when you tap a turtle? And it's like, it's such a bad accent and uh, such a stupid joke, but it works every time. Just yeah. to say the turtle or what you get, uh, or just pull out that, you know, a Rocky accent or say the word Rocky, all of it works for us to laugh and regroup. So you are so right on. I'm so glad you're counseling people. You're so wise. It, it, it's simple things, sometimes very simple things make a huge difference. Absolutely. And we forget we're on the same team. We're not on opposite teams. We're on the same team. That's why we do that. And those things help us get back on track to being on the same team and not looking as they are our opposition. Which brings me to the next question. How do men and women process stress differently? So vital right now. Uh, yeah. 90% of people say that COVID has negatively impacted them and raised their stress. And uh, your schedule, you're probably packed probably can't even get in to see you because you're such a wise counselor because everybody's seeking out counselors and coaches right now because it is super stressful. So how men and women process stress is very different. How women process stress is we talk our way through stress. Like if I'm um, stressed out, my mom knows it, my sister knows it, my best friend knows it, the clerk at Walmart will yeah. know that I'm stressed out. So we tend to talk our way through stress. One thing that we can do on our side of the equation there's two, two things. The second is to know how men process stress. But one key thing that we can do from our side of the equation is to give some kind of a warning that a stress level is rising. And um, I went, I was speaking at a conference in Los Angeles. We lived in North County. So that's like two hours away. Then I had to get, pick up Bill and get to the airport, which is 90 minutes away to get on the last flight to uh, fly to Canada to be on live TV, like on 100 Huntley Street, which goes across all of Canada. Can't miss it, like can't miss this plane. And uh, my conference ran late, I called Bill on the phone. I'm like, honey, um, I'm on my way, but there's like five or six things I need you to do. And Bill said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is, I love you, babe. The bad news is, yeah, I am in Oceanside. Brock's car is broken down. I'm waiting for the tow truck. Actually, there's five or six things I need you to do. Pick up my suitcase, come get me, and then we can get to the airport. So I was so stressed. 
when I hit the door, our youngest was with the family he stays with, like I said, a grandparents from our church. Our oldest, Mr. Responsibility, was with Bill. Our then middle son, 13 years old, ADD, ADHD, strong-willed. We like to say of Zachary that he marches to the beat of a different accordion. Zach was the only one home. And so I walked in, I'm like, Zach, I really need your help. Mom and dad, we have to get to the airport because um, we have to catch this last flight. And this is what I need you to do. I just reeled up this long list verbally. Well, I know it better than that. That's not how you delegate to boys. How you delegate to boys is you make boxes like yes. waffle boxes, post-it note, one task on one square post-it note. You line the post-it notes across the TV and say, you cannot turn on that TV till those post-it notes are accomplished. That's how you delegate to boys. But I didn't do that. I just verbally reeled off this list. I went to my room to do the first thing on my list, realized I needed something for my office. And I crossed the living room and Zach was doing the first thing on his list, but kind of like in Zach time. He was like born cool. And yeah. I wanted to just scream at him. Um, the Holy Spirit said, don't you be yelling. It is not that boy's problem. You're the one who didn't put enough margin in here. I know, but I need him to move faster. Word pictures. It felt like the Holy Spirit just screamed that to my soul. So I called Zach over and I said, Zach, you know that mom and dad, we teach that men are like waffles and like spaghetti. Yes. Well, what happens when you put a whole bunch of noodles in a pan of boiling water uh, and the water all boils out? He's like, uh, pasta explosion. I'm like, that's right. That's what's going to happen here. The pasta is ready to explode. And he's like, oh, mom, why didn't you tell me it was like a pasta princess moment? And I'm like, Zach, that is like so brilliant. And so from that point on, whenever mom was stressed, you know, I would walk in and I would just say pasta princess is home. And Bill has taught the boys, the only thing safe to say to a stressed out woman is what can I do to help you, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> so just again, code word. Yes. It's a warning word. Pasta princess, the boys know, line up, help mom. Let's calm her down, help her out. That's what we're called to do. Serve one another in love. Yeah. So one of my friends, um, she lives up in Washington state. Hers is Mount St. Helens. Yeah. A mom's going to glow. Uh, so it could be anything. And again, use a little humor. It helps. I love that. And one of the things as you were talking, I was thinking about in counseling, one of the things I share with couples is that when we're in conflict, so the stress level you were talking about is not necessarily against one another, but sometimes when we're stressed out, we go against one another. And we, when our heart rate goes up, we cannot make a decision. We cannot process well. And so we go to fight, flight, or freeze. So we're either going to fight with you, we're going to run away from you, or we're going to shut down. So we need to recognize, oh, hey, we need to calm down in this situation because we're going to just escalate this fight. And something that was small because of our stress levels can escalate into a large argument with one another. So good. So yeah. good. And that, that so relates to how men process stress too, because that whole fight, flight, or freeze that if they don't take anything else away from your wisdom, they need to take that away and put it up as a post-it note. It's all a choice. Conflict yeah. or connection. And men, how we women, we talk our way through stress, but men, they like to go their favorite easy boxes to rest and recharge when they're under stress. So a lot of times the family's like under stress and we look at our husband and you're like, what? You're watching ESPN again. You're like in front of the TV, you're on the computer, you're on your iPhone. What's the deal? Don't you care? Well, they do care. Studies actually say that when a family is under stress, 
that the man feels it at a deeper level than the woman, but they don't communicate it. Instead, oftentimes they want to flee to a favorite box. So we misinterpret it like they don't care, but they actually do care. They're needing to recharge so they can deal with whatever it is that, that's in front of them. So God kind of helped us girls out in that most of men's favorite easy boxes are actually shaped like boxes. The TV screen, the computer screen, Xbox, phone, that basketball court, the baseball diamond, go Dodgers, pool table, the hockey goal, uh, the refrigerator is shaped like a box and the bed is shaped like a box. In fact, that bed box, that red hot monogamy box, as we call it, is kind of like the free square in the middle of a bingo card and they can get there from every other square on their waffle. Yeah. So when the family is under stress, what we found out is like, let's take turns. Let's ask the question, who's most stressed and deal with their stress first. And what I found is if I would send Bill to a second favorite box, let's just call um, SEX men's, every men's favorite box. But if I send him a second favorite box, which is like basketball and he'd go shoot hoops while he was gone, his stress would go down, but I would journal through and pray through my feelings. So when he came back, I'm a better communicator. He's not hit with the whole tsunami impact of all my, you know, emotions. And he's a better listener because now his stress level is down. So just asking whose stress are we going to deal with first? And the Bible tells us to serve one another in love. So you have the opportunity here to serve your spouse, their stress. Oh, this is so good. I wish we could keep talking, but we'll have to schedule another one because this is really, really good. And things that are really important to my heart is for people to recognize what is healthy and what is unhealthy ways that we communicate with one another. And there is just so much you have unpacked in such a short amount of time. So in the last minute or so that we have here, how can people connect with you online? I would love for them to go to love-wise.com and there's a series of banners and if they'd like to be on our mailing list and get that monthly update with new relationship tools, then they click on the one that Bill and I are walking hand in hand at the beach and there's a bunch of freebies they can get when they sign up. There's also an infectious joy. It's a free 30 day devotional uh, for it's a creative devotional for women. You can click on that. It's a free downloadable. Then there's another picture of uh, invitation to join me for discovering joy in Philippians, the holiday edition. I'd love all the women in the audience to join me there. And if you want to be a part of my red hot wives Facebook group, that's a fun place to hang out with proactive, wise wives, much like you are. And um, they can just email me or they can sign up uh, when they sign up for the easing there as well. So love-wise.com. And if you forget all of that, if you Google waffles and spaghetti, the ferals are the only <laughs> ones that show up with that crazy title. But yes, and where all of our books are on Amazon Christian book, but we love to really um, get to know the people in our audience. So that's why we love for you to sign up so we can get to know you better. And we all oftentimes offer different marriage enrichment things, times you can spend uh, with us growing your relationship and all of them, your parenting, your marriage, so that you can live love-wise, live love-wise. 
Well, thank you, Pam, for joining us today. Our show notes and all of the links shared with us today. So Pam's website can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would leave a review and a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And be sure to share this podcast and other podcasts with your friends. I know this one, so many people could benefit greatly from it. I would love to stay connected with you. So be sure to find me on Instagram or my Facebook page, both at author Kristen Klaus. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fully Restored Podcast. And you, like me, feel you're walking away with some valuable tools for your relationship. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.